Hi, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Today, Jim Hayden has joined me, and Jim is going to explain a little bit about his current situation, but he is actually using a lot of the stuff that we that I teach and that the folks at Leading Agile Coach, um, he's experienced a change of scope and some things that are going on. Um, and after he shares a little bit about his own situation, we're going to get into a coaching question, a question I recorded from a student about what to do if your chief product owner is making decisions about releases and not including stakeholders or the actual product owner in those decisions. So, Jim, thank you very much for taking time out of your morning. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. I'm kind of um, a captive audience right now. I'm a living example of unplanned work. <laughs> I, uh, I had a motorcycle accident uh, at the end of February, and I uh, my plans were, uh, were revised, let me say that way. So, I'm a, a captive audience for you right now. And so so Jim didn't just have a motorcycle accident. He broke his leg all up into all kinds of pieces. You're going to be how long before you're back to speed, back to where you were? Um, my orthopedic surgeon said uh, eight to 10 weeks with no weight on my ankle, which I shattered. Um, fortunately, that's the only um, real physical damage that I had. I was wearing all my motorcycle gear, so... No road rash, no other extremities broken. Uh, my motorcycle jacket has character now. Uh, my bike actually survived for the most part. No head or neck injuries. I was wearing a full uh, full helmet. Uh, That's face. good. So the only thing that um, was my ankle actually got caught between my motorcycle and the road, and it decided to uh, – it looks a little bit different after I, um, I was lying on the road and go, wow, my motorcycle's on the side. I just had a motorcycle accident. Ooh, I think my leg's broken. It's pointing in the wrong direction. So, wow. That's other nice. than that, I'm um, I would I say it up and hopping, but actually that's well, I I do hop around a lot, so uh, that's where I'm at. Uh, well, I'm glad that you're. We're all glad that you're okay. Um, I was especially glad we had just recorded, I think, a podcast right before the accident, but. I'm um, glad that you're safe and glad that you're on the mend. And it is sort of a, a great example of how you can have all these plans and how things change. And I'm going to share one thing about how your change in plans has changed my plans. <laughs> so right before Jim's accident, we did a call and he had shared that he had a goal. Uh, I think it was 15,000 steps a week. Something uh, like 15,000 steps a day, 105,000 steps sorry. a week. That's right. So I was so inspired by it. I signed up for that goal too. And then you had your accident and now my goal is not really quite getting there either. You know, I'm so. trying to get 15,000 steps a week now. You know, <laughs> unfortunately my uh, the little walker that I have does count me five for one. So I don't get five, you know, four, four for the um, individual um, walker legs and one for my other leg. Um, it doesn't count five for one on my Fitbit. So oh, yeah, you well. need to just wave your arm back and forth a lot and, and get those extra steps in that way. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Jim, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for, for taking time out of your recovery for this. So we're going to talk about um, this this question. I'm going to play for you in a second. There was somebody in one of my classes named Jennifer, and she had a question about a situation she was facing where she has a chief product owner. So just in case you're not familiar with that idea, if you have multiple product owners who is who are each managing uh, individual products, you may have a chief product owner who's sort of the product owner of the product owners. And in her situation, the chief product owner was establishing release plans without discussing them with the actual individual product owners or the stakeholders. So the CPO is making decisions for the POs who are then going to be in charge of the releases of their product. 
So there's a lot to unpack here. Um, I'm going to play the question for you right now. Hi, my name's Jennifer, and I want to ask, how do you address when a CPO makes a release plan without input from the PO or stakeholders? All right, and that's the question. So, Jim, what are your, what are your thoughts about this? Well, it's, uh, it's interesting, Dave, because uh, the, the whole role of the product owner, or in this case where we have multiple products and a chief product owner, is that they're the proxy for that um, for the actual customers for the marketplace and they have a hypothesis about what it is that we um, what, what needs to be um, created what needs to be um, um, delivered to achieve a business outcome and it, I find it interesting the way the questions posed because it sounds like the chief product owner has, has a hypothesis they're setting out a roadmap but they're not getting any um, input or feedback from people that would be actually on the ground trying to make that a realization. Yeah. I, I think there's there may be another layer to it as well, because if it sounded to me the way the question's phrased as if the CPO is establishing a release plan and then kind of imposing it on others. And one of the things I teach in the class is the release plan is never set. It's just like a, a snapshot at that moment of what the product owner expects to or wants to include in the release. And as soon as you take that snapshot, you have to understand that it's going to change in 10 seconds. But if you've got, if your CPO is pushing it down, that's going to create a lot of problems because that's imposed. It's not an evolving thing. Well, the other thing I would be really interested in finding out is the release plan articulated in the is it an expression of how, or is the roadmap an expression of an outcome that we'd like to achieve? Um, I think she probably wasn't talking about roadmap because we would have covered the difference between a roadmap and a release plan in the class. So okay. this would have been collecting the stuff in the backlog and across the different products, deciding when the different elements were going to be set out into the wild see because i would see the release plan would be a subset of the overall roadmap so if yeah. they had if if the chief product owner said hey you know here's where we're trying to go in the market here's the business outcomes we're trying to achieve here are the things that we'd like to do with this this um this um, body of products that are going to interact with each other and, and we're going to achieve this business outcome clearly there's a hypothesis there clearly there's an outcome that's looking to be achieved i would think that the release plan is how is it that we're going to step through to achieve that with the goal of getting feedback? Um, we believe that this is something that has to exist. If um, you know this first release, if it doesn't exist and doesn't um, meet its needs, um, achieve the outcome we're setting for it, then we're going to have to you know that we're going to get that feedback and we're going to alter the subsequent release plans. So uh, I just really find it interesting that the she you know, Jennifer expressed a question about hey they're not getting feedback. Yeah. Well, so this is another thing. That one of the reasons I love getting to talk to other people that I work with about questions like this is because they make me think of things in a completely different way. And I was kind of coming to this topic like, just go take a yardstick to the knuckles of that chief product owner and tell them to back off because that's not their gig. But the way that you just talked about it, I'm thinking, well, okay, so if you are the uh, strategic level, the chief product owner, you could establish a roadmap that would span maybe multiple products, which each has its own product owner. And those product owners could use that roadmap to inform the release plans that they're creating. So now I'm sort of wondering if maybe that chief product owners, what we're calling, you know, quote, release plan, unquote, 
maybe it is actually a roadmap, in which case I'm not that stressed about it because if there's a release plan created from the roadmap that is strategic and created by the chief product owner, whether or not they're talking to other people, that's a different question, but it doesn't violate kind of the boundaries to me so much. Yes, uh, but here's the thing. So maybe I'm just kind of triggered by this, but when you say release plan, yeah. Uh, for me, I, I'm thinking an actual articulation of features that will be present. Um, yes. um, um, there's a, a, a layering on of the how that happens um, as you're starting to create the release plan because you're saying, here's my capacity, here is, here's what we'd like to um, roll out in subsequent, you know, in a, in a series of sprints, in a series of, of months. Um, you know, release plans for me typically, you know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, we express oftentimes epics being multiple months, um, yeah. you know, three to four months, features being something that requires multiple sprints. Uh, typically, we articulate sprints as something, you know, say one to two weeks, let's call it two weeks. And so um, a release plan may be something that's going to incur multiple sprints, uh, multiple months, an epic, maybe two, that's um, part of that. So again, the question comes down, if, if that chief product owner is not engaging in a conversation yes. to get a shared understanding with the product owner, and I'm assuming when she says stakeholders, I'm assuming, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill in that space in my mind, that the work that they do is not fully encapsulated. There is some degree of orchestration. There's some other groups that have to be used in order to make and meet a commitment. And if those people are not being engaged, you're going to get a, here's what I expect to do on my roadmap. Here's what I expect to do on my release plan. Oh, this other stakeholder has a different priority um, order than I do. And I'm going to be stymied from getting my stuff done because I didn't take care of that orchestration. I think I agree with almost everything you said. Um, I don't know if I would expect at least when I'm teaching the class, I don't teach that the PO, when they're organizing the release plan, that they have to break it down into sprints all the way through. I would expect them to you know, grab all, when all this stuff is done, we can ship or we have to ship on this date. Um, one of the kind of big learning moments for me about release planning happened at uh, Scrum Gathering a long, several years ago. I sat down with Chet Hendrickson and we were talking about release planning. And I asked him if he thought people should commit to the release plan. And he grabbed a piece of paper and he said, no, this is what should happen. The product owner should hand the release plan to the business and say, this is what we're not doing. Because the understanding is that it's what I'd like to do, but it's going to change. Um, um, so as long as there's flexibility in the release plan, because you don't know how the velocity is going to change or the business priorities are going to change during the course of the release. So you want that flexibility. Yeah, I would agree with that, but at some level, the business wants some sort of ability to uh, to make a commitment and meet a commitment. Yes. Uh, clearly, there's got to be flexibility in the how. We're going to learn things as we go through things. So we have some hypotheses about what will work, what won't work, um, yeah. what is easy, what's not easy, what's feasible, what's not feasible. Uh, this, this whole aspect of the roadmap and then the release plans underneath that is – uh, we're trying to find that that sweet spot about what's valuable, usable, and feasible and try to get feedback on it. We, we have a yeah. hypothesis. This is valuable, usable, and feasible. And then we want to get it out there uh, and get that feedback from the actual market itself and go, hmm, 
um, our hypothesis was wrong. We need to alter. You know, we need to change. So, all right. So let's let's take it from a tactical perspective. Let's say that you are a product owner, or you're coaching a product owner or a CSM, and they're working on a gig where the release plans are brought to them by the CPO, and you know that that CPO is not discussing it with other stakeholders in the company. They're just deciding this is what we're doing, and bringing it to you and saying, "Here, execute on this." Okay. Or do you do do you let that go? Do you address it with the chief product owner? And if so, how do you address it in a way that hopefully can generate a positive result, whatever that may be, and not get you fired? Um, well, okay, so great. So if you take that, uh, here's what I'd like to accomplish, um, and they've expressed it, you know, the way they've expressed what they want to accomplish is in the form of this release plan, uh, or you know, maybe this is a release plan, you know, a roadmap. Here, you know, here's what we're trying to do. Uh, one of the first things I'd want to get out of that is is I wouldn't push back and say no. I wouldn't push back and say, hey, you didn't do this right. You know, the schoolhouse solution is to do X. Right. I'd really like to understand, well, okay, great. So tell me more. What what's what's what are what are your key assumptions? What are the key risks that um that if um if are realized, well, this will fall flat on its face. I sure. would like to explore that. What, what the, are the risks we have to address and figure out? Is this like, are we safe here? Are we in danger? It's experiments, basically. Well, yeah, but it's like, okay, so if you say this is what where I want to go, I mean, clearly there's, I need to get here by this point. I need to accomplish this much because if we don't, you know, this business, um, ne negative business impact will be realized. So okay. they clearly have a reason as to why, from a business standpoint, they want to go someplace. Sure. Um, as we explore that and they say, and you know, so they've articulated, this is what I'd like to accomplish. I would certainly like to explore with them. Well, what are the undergirding assumptions? What are, what are the key areas that if, if these blow up on our face, we won't be able to realize this vision. Okay. Um, so instead of saying, you know, saluting smartly and go, yep, great. We're, we're off here. I mean, that's, that's like, and if it falls flat on face, it's your fault. Cause you, this, I, I'm just doing what you told me. Right. I, I certainly want to acknowledge that they are the chief product owner. They have a, uh, a role in the system, you know, that we've created um, the structure and governance. Yeah. It's a comp assignment, but it's certainly um, is something that we need to explore. We need to have a shared vision and a shared understanding. And part of that is understanding what are the undergirding assumptions and risks that are present because then we can we become part of that solution so you've given us a timeline you give us some objective or release plan what we'd like to accomplish i'd like to tell you um whether or not that's possible not possible yeah help come up with a solution for um any risks or um, issues that might be present okay now if if i'm the the product owner not the chief product owner if i'm the product owner do you think it is right and fair for me to expect to that the, that if if the chief product owner is putting together some kind of roadmap or release plan, is it is it fair to expect that they would engage me in that conversation? I think so. I, I absolutely think so. You know, but you know, people are people, and, and sometimes you know, someone comes up, and the chief product owner is not sitting there operating of their own. I'm sure they have people that are telling them, "Hey, we need to accomplish this. You're responsible for this." Um, they've got pressures on them. Uh, from higher up in the organization, and that's why we 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 have such a um, a focus on establishing a slice through the organization uh, yeah. that that ties strategy all the way down to the execution layer, because if that's not fully aligned, 
then you have this place where something is short circuited, you know, above that chief product owner. Yeah. Um, there's people that are just kind of pulling something out and just dictatorially saying, you know, do X. And that's and that's one of the things that I was worried about when she brought this question up is that it's just it's like being force fed. Well, yeah, and that's kind of the norm of the business anyway. When you have all these take agile side and you've got these organizations that are um, working on everything, and there's kind of it's almost like an insane work environment. I mean, we got we're working on everything. Nothing's getting <laughs> it's not done. kind of like an insane work environment. It is an insane work environment. Yeah, everyone's scrambling for resources. Everyone's scrambling to accomplish everything. That you know is tied to their personal um, uh, yeah, performance it's not, um, evaluation. And it's not possible and, to do it all. It's just not possible. And eventually, you know, these these folks all hit some shared service at some point, and there's more work to do than bodies to do it, and everyone's scrambling. And you know, just it's what we typically find in organizations. And so, what should what should you if if you're the PO or the Scrum Master in this situation? And let's say that that the person who's the chief product owner is I'm I'm just going to give you a, a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Let's say the chief product owner is somebody who is trying to control or manage this release or roadmap to to maintain their relevancy because they see that now we're saying the product owner manages the release. So even though they might be overseeing the product owners, they don't really have any play in there, and they don't know much about roadmapping. They just don't have anything that they feel like they control now. So they want this politically. So they're and they're kind of pushing it down, like you know, don't worry about the other stakeholders. I know what's best for this customer. If I'm the the scrum master or the PO, what should I do? If you're if you're coaching me, you're on site coaching me. What would you tell me? Well, I, I'd be looking for uh, points of feedback. I'd be okay. looking for how is it that we can articulate the outcomes that are trying to be achieved, and then I, it, we we have to right now start to, to look at this roadmap and look at the outcomes and compare a capacity and what has to be true in order for that to be true. Yeah. And I'm looking for how is it that that product owner and the, and the, and the teams that they're looking at, how can they create cognitive dissonance between what's being asked and what their capability capacity is to actually accomplish that? So it's, it's one of these questions that um, whenever, when anybody makes a, a, an assertion, one of the key questions that I've found personally is, okay, great. I don't argue with it. I go, what has to be true in order for that to be true? Okay. And so I want them, that, that product owner, that scrum master, instead of pushing back and saying no, I want them to, to engage in the conversation and go, great. In order to accomplish that, what has to be true? in order for that assertion to be true. And just keep on asking that question because at some point you're going to come to a disconnect. And there are some undergirding assumptions. And then when you find that, that's what has to, they have to bring that up and raise that to the chief proctor. Go Great. I'd love to be able to help you do this. I'd love to be able to accomplish that. But in order to do that, this has to be true. In order for that to happen, this has to be true. And oh, by the way, that's not. Okay. So I I was just thinking when you were talking that one of the reasons this might be difficult as if, you know, again, the classes I teach, well, the, the retrospective is just for the scrum team. And that means that the CPO is not going to be included in the retrospective. So I'm thinking you're going to have to find a way to retrospect with the chief product owner or find some delicate way of saying, listen, you're really smart, but <laughs> we need to be included in this. Yeah. But so let's, let's talk about this. So the chief product owner, I would expect that in most organizations, while they're the chief product um, owner, 
they're not just a team of one. I would expect that they have, and this is where the stakeholders comes in and everything. I would expect that that chief product owner has a team of people around them because I'm expecting from a business standpoint, they probably don't have all the technical chops to cover the entire um, technology stack that's necessary to achieve um, what these, this family of products is trying to achieve. Sure. And so I'd expect that they have some people that are helping advise them um, on this. Um, I expect that when the teams do their individual retrospectives, um, out of that should come something. This is something that's squarely in our control. We can do something about that. Here's our plan to deal with this. Um, I would expect, though, when you're talking about these larger efforts, that there's probably some impediment that um, they have no um, control over, but they do have influence. And that was something that would be raised to the next part of the organization. So in, in our case, we start talking about delivery teams and program teams and portfolio teams. I'm expecting that the chief product owners at the portfolio level, yeah. I would expect that um, that things that are impediments ultimately at the delivery team level or maybe at the program level get raised to the next higher level in, in a series. You know, There's got to be some communication that allows these impediments to be raised eventually to the portfolio level. It says, hey, this is something systemic across the programs that's going to yeah. uh, affect the portfolio. Um, there's got to be some avenue for that communication. Okay. So that's that's good. I, I think that definitely the communication is an issue. I, I'm starting to wonder if when you were talking about it, I was thinking maybe the fact that the chief product owner is not engaging with the POs or the stakeholders during this planning process Maybe that's not the problem. Maybe it's more a symptom of some other issue that's going on organizationally, maybe with just with that individual or maybe the way that things are structured and people are motivated. Um, there's a lot of different potential causes for it. And I guess, um, Jennifer, one of the things I would encourage you to try to do is to figure out why it's happening as well as like what Jim said with the communication thing. I mean, you've got to, you've got to deal with it tactically, but I think also looking at it from a, What's the root cause would probably be helpful too. Well, yeah. Remember, Dave, we set up the structure governance and metrics. So in the structure, we're setting up those layers of teams. And the governance is basically how is it that we work well, play well with each other? How is it that we set up decision um, rights? Right. And um, part of that, um, undergirding all that, is how is it that we communicate with each other? How is it that we um, establish fast feedback loops? How is it that we... Um, uh, drive out uncertainty. We have hypotheses for things. How is it that we get that feedback so that we don't get that feedback late and create all this unplanned work that we don't want to have? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so this kind of question would, I'd like to pick at that sweater a little bit and understand <laughs> what, you know, you know, what's going on in there. You know, is it a communication issue? Is it a personality issue? Is yeah. it a, it's a, I just don't understand how my role as chief product owner, how I actually need in this agile environment. I don't know how that actually um, is different um, substantially yeah. and materially than what I used before. I can totally see how that would be part of the problem. Just a lack of clarity on how the jobs are supposed to work and where the boundaries are. Yeah, and, and that, that's that's a growing that's 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 not unexpected. That's that's a growing kind of pain. Yeah. Now that it's manifested itself, you know, it's it bears discussion and say, hey, look, here's the implication of, of this. Here's here's some of the possible outcomes that we might um, experience. And some of these aren't necessarily what we want. So let's get out in front of it. Yeah. So, so Jennifer, I think a big thing is um, 
as at the very least, you have to have the conversation about it. You have to find a time and a place where you can do that safely to say, hey, you know, this is kind of seems weird. Can we talk about why it's happening? Maybe there's a good reason for it. I think you should try to keep an open mind and give the person the benefit of the doubt. But, um, you know, maybe they do need some kind of education or maybe there's some deeper problem that's going on. Um, but I'm hoping that what we've been able to offer so far discussion-wise helps a little bit. Um, do you have any kind of final parting words of advice, Jim? No, just uh, I, I think one of the things that's always helpful when you're ever dealing with these communications is to sit there. Someone will make an assertion and, you know, really try to understand where they're coming from, what are the things that are undergirding that assertion, and then explore what has to be true in order for that to be true. And yeah. just be open to it and, and have the conversation. Don't be an order taker. Yeah, that's good advice. I think... I guess the thing I would add, um, Jennifer, and I mentioned this in the class that you took, is something a teacher said to me one time. Like when you describe the situation like you have with the CPO, I, there's a part of my brain that immediately wants to attack the CPO. But I had a teacher one time who said to me that you have to remember that every single person you encounter is doing the very best they can at any moment that you encounter them. So whatever they're doing might rub me the wrong way, might not meet with my standards of what's acceptable. Um, but they're they're making the best choice they can for themselves at that moment. And they didn't get up with the intention of screwing me over. So I try to remind myself of things like that because it, it helps me try to have a little bit more empathy and be a little more patient. I guess it's just what I'm trying to say, Jennifer, is try to have a little bit of patience and empathy for them. Um, and don't assume that they're doing it just to thwart you. I don't know if that's the case or not, but it's easy to get there. So um, anyway... I hope that was helpful. Jim, I really appreciate you spending time talking through this with me. My pleasure, Dave. Um, and if you're listening and you would like to send in a question, you can send it to dave.prior at leadingagile.com. And prior is spelled P-R-I-O-R. Uh, you could send a recording of your voice. You could send a question written out. You can send video, whatever you want. Um, we'd love to have it. We're always trying to do more of these. So most of these questions come out of the CSM and CSPO classes. And you can go to leadingagile.com slash training for more information about that. Uh, and that's it. So, uh, Jennifer, I hope that was helpful. Jim, hope you continue to be on the mend. And thank you for this morning. And everybody else, thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.